Welcome back to The Great Indoors. Before we dive into today's interview, I want to tell you about our next season, which will be recorded live at MWC Barcelona from February the 26th to the 29th. You'll hear from industry experts, explore new innovations, and gain new insight into the world of connectivity. New episodes coming early March, wherever you get your podcasts. Canada, the Great White North. You know, we've never started an episode with a national anthem before, but today there are a couple of reasons for doing so. Firstly, my two guests on this opening episode of Season 7 of The Great Indoors both work at one of Canada's largest telecommunications service providers, TELUS. So, of course, we wanted to make them feel right at home. You see, we are the podcast that cares. But secondly, I myself became a Canadian yesterday. And as such, from this moment on, I will begin each episode with the national anthem. I'm just joking, of course. Welcome back to the Great Indoors. It's been a while and we've missed you. So welcome to the Great Indoors, a podcast where we look at the technological implications brought about by the next industrial revolution and how this can potentially help solve the biggest problems facing humanity. I'm your host, Matt Roberts, and joining me as ever is my trusty co-pilot and producer, Larissa Yee. Now, as I stated briefly there, for this new season, and you know it's been a while, we have episodes that focus specifically on Canada and also regular interviews that we recorded with an eclectic mix of guests at this year's MWC Las Vegas. Now for this opener, I am joined by two executives from TALUS, Mr. Chris Madden, who's the Vice President of Digital Sales and Service. He's here in Toronto and has an amazing perspective of the industry as we move forward. And from there, we'll head over to Vancouver. We'll head out west to speak to Mr. Saeed Otofat Shamsi, who's the Director of Information Services at TELUS. So a full-on TELUS Canadian episode. And we'll be talking specifically about digital, AI, and all those wonderful things. So buckle up. Let's get started. Okay, so we're back. This is The Great Indoors. Our new season about to commence here. It's 2023, uh, and it's the end of the summer and the fall, and I'm delighted to start this new series uh, with something a little closer to home for me, a guest who's uh, more local. So welcoming to the new season of The Great Indoors, Mr. Chris Madden from TELUS. Chris, welcome. It's my absolute pleasure to be here. Uh, so Chris, uh, maybe you just want to give us uh, an introduction uh, on yourself and, and your history to date, just for our listeners. Absolutely. So I'm the ultimate career generalist. Close to 20 years in Canada now. We moved here you know, about 20 years ago. 
And I've gone from operations to finance to client experience to marketing uh, and to running digital over the last uh, four to five years. Uh, again, careers that spawned from aviation to financial services and now into telecom. Awesome. And tell us a little bit about your role at Telus specifically, Chris. So my team and I, I would say custodians of the digital experience. The word digital is, is used everywhere, but in its, its very basic form. We've got thousands of different entry points uh, when you come to our site, uh, and you may be trying to, you know, check a bill, uh, pay a bill, add a plan, add a roaming uh, service, buy a new product. So the team and I are are accountable for, I would say, over 200 distinct user experiences and journeys uh, on our site. We have tens of millions of clients visiting our, our what I call our digital storefront every month. Yeah. Wow. And digital is one of those words. It's it's one of the words in the industry that, that has been talked about for many, many years. But I think its importance as we move forward in time can't be understated, right? Where do you believe you are right now on your on your digital journey with Telus? Because I think digital is something that continues to be worked at. There's new manifestations of the customer experience. Where do you think you are now in, in, in just sort of one paragraph with, with achieving that dream of digitalization at TELUS? So TELUS has been, I would say, a leader in the digital space for, for, for a number of years. But I think we'd not do justice to ourselves if, if you looked at this as a continuum. There's actually digital disruption going on uh, within the technology space itself uh, at, at any point in time. So I would say we are, we're leading, we're investing, uh, and we are growing uh, at the same time. So a lot of what we're doing is actually just internally disrupting ourselves. There's new immersive technologies coming out. There's new ways that clients are interacting with us. And the best thing we can do is not think of ourselves in a journey where we are, we're done, but in uh-huh. a journey where we're constantly reinventing ourselves. I think that's an important, an, an important point, is constantly reinventing yourself. Because I think we did a study recently, Amdocs, uh, our own research on the digital gap. And I think it was many telcos in the world had invested heavily, you know, in, in their digital experience systems. But the reality was, and the statistics we had, was only 22% of users, and this is a global study, 22% of users that start their experience digitally finish digitally. They have to revert to human intervention somewhere along those lines. So there's, like you said, there's still the the requirement to push for that that fuller digital journey for customers because I think expectations change as well. And I'm I'm jumping ahead in the conversation a little bit, but I find this really fascinating being a father of four children. That the younger the demographic, the digital natives, they have higher digital expectations, right? So as you go on through time, the digitalization of all customer interactions needs to get better and better and better because of the expectations of the of the, the younger demographic. Is that something you see at Telus? Oh no, absolutely. And you, you know, you you hit the nail on its head uh, because I think expectations management, the the notion of friction. Uh, and all the internal industry terms that that we use just don't exist for the various generations. You know, the the generations after us have have grown up with a mobile device. Uh, our competition is is not the other telcos. Our competition 
is Uber Eats, where they can at a click yeah. of a button get something delivered to them instantaneously. Our, our competition from a, from a servicing perspective is Netflix and Spotify, where they've got tons of varieties and a, and a very simple user interface that they, they interact with. So the demographic aspect is is really, really important. Uh, you know, millennials currently make up all the largest purchasing power, so they're an important segment for us to play with. But Gen Z is close behind, right? You know, they're getting into, into the workforce. So as we think about how we tailor these experiences, you know, we've got the broad demographic views. We also look at all the psychographic data that's coming along. Uh, you look at Canada in particular, we're in the midst of probably the largest transient migration that's yeah. also happening uh, in, yeah. in a decade with, you know, the, the slew of newcomers coming in, the international students coming in with different perspectives. So they don't just bring the expectations of what they've grown up with, they bring global expectations with them. And reacting to that is is really really important. I think that's a, that's a perfect segue in, into what I wanted to talk about next, Chris, and, and that was Canada, because I know that there's there's aims to inject more competition into Canada. But do you think that makes the digital journey even more important to win out against your competitors? Two things that I think maybe jump out for me, especially as as we speak about Canada. I've been in Canada, as I said, about twenty years now. Uh, it is a big country. So connectivity across uh, across such a large landmass requires just a different level of thinking, a different level of investment, uh, and I would say a different level of, of connectivity uh, than, than we could ever imagine. And so f- for me, that's that's where um, consumers will, will judge us, right? It's, it's not the deal you get in the mall when you walk in, or it's not the deal you get in the online. It's the continuum of experiences post that deal, you know? Yeah. First two, three, four years, uh, you know, we were all locked up for for a couple of years, and we know how important connectivity became, and that's where even the nuances. And I, I got kids uh, that that will tell me, "Oh, I don't have five G over here; it's showing LTE. What does that mean?" And I have to explain that to them. So I think the connectivity paradigm is is just so different for so many different users, and you know, we're all competing, we're all investing, uh, and we're all differentiating based on yeah. on some of those factors. What do you see? You mentioned the migratory part uh, a moment ago, Chris, but what do you see as the other big differences with Canada in North America versus the United States and and with the rest of the world as well? It's a very, very interesting question. I would say, you know, I think of Canada, especially almost like like New York City 100 years ago, right? Just a, a vast amount of new people coming in, like this great migration happening. But at a very different time, like you fast forward 100 years ago with connectivity at scale, with experience at scale, with education at scale, I would say the diversity that Canada brings and and expects and delivers to its population is completely different than what you'd see. You may see it in pockets of the US, but you see it just as you walk the streets of, of, of Toronto, Vancouver, Calgary, you can see this is a very diverse population. So for me, that's probably... The biggest piece where we have to continue to differentiate ourselves is the fact that, you know, we're a country which is unlike any other in the world. It, it does for me as well. If, if you imagine the United States 100 years ago where there was mass migration into places like New York City, you can see that here in Canada, right, for sure, 100%. It, it's like no other place on earth right now. I think there was over 1 million new entrants to Canada just last year. You know, connectivity becomes important, but I also like the point about a multi-generational household. So there's, it's not binary. The experience that comes from that is is completely different. 
what do you feel about the digital divide in Canada? So when we talk, we look at the the heavy uh, migration into the uh, metro areas, like you said, of, of Toronto, Calgary, Vancouver. But what do you think, and, and and why do you think it's important to bridge the digital divide in other areas of Canada, for example, in the in the Indigenous communities? Telus plays a big role. You know, we've 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 been. Um... I would say some of the leaders in in making sure connectivity, especially across the indigenous uh, population, but also the remote parts of Canada, where we know that um, it is truly important to sort of stay connected uh, in in that space. And so, you know, our tell us for good programs. Uh, we run a number of different pieces. It's a huge part of our ecosystem to actually make sure we we stay connected and drive connectivity at scale because we know that it's it is such a it is such an important aspect to make sure that you know we leverage our connectivity and compassion to enable Canadians and communities to thrive in the digital world. So we've got programs that, for example, run across our store network where we will uh, recycle devices and, and hand them out to communities where you know financial needs are more transient uh, in that space. So there's just so much to be done. Uh, I think connectivity is one aspect of it. Access is another aspect of it. And it's really, really important, given who we are as Canadians. No, absolutely. Absolutely. From your perspective, what do you think 5G can really bring the people of Canada? Yeah, we, we talk a lot about 5G monetization as well uh, internally. <laughs> but I think from, from, from a client perspective, these are all just different aspects to just enable what already plays out in, in their lives. So So for me, it's more about how do we use that to drive what we call humanized digital experiences? How do we use that to drive insights and experiences at scale? You know, we're at that cusp of, I would say, immersive technology starting to play a bigger role in our space. And so for me, it's it's that constant connectivity. Like we want to be something that just enables whatever consumers want to do, do it at scale, make those experiences more meaningful and, and immersive. There's never been a jump. There's never been like this chasm between 4G and 5G that we've seen before. The complexities, the possibilities uh, have opened up exponentially from previous incarnations of, 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 the, uh, of the previous standards. Do you think, well, I think I know your answer here, but do you think that adds extra emphasis on a more seamless, improved customer experience through, through digital channels and beyond? Absolutely. And, you know, as you said, you know my answer. So the, yeah, it's, it's, a I do. <laughs> it, it's, it's a resounding yes. And it, it spawns beyond digital, right? Like we're a proud multi-channel business. And, you know, uh, as you said, uh, our clients uh, interact with them digital, but they also interact with digital when they're in a store network and, and, and setting and, you know, when they're dealing with our, with our teams across, uh, across that piece. So for us, you know, 5G is, it's, it's a word. Uh, it's an important piece of technology, but what's really, really paramount is the experiences we can power through that and the experiences we can deliver through that. That's where the true value add is, right? Like we never ever will hear our kids talk about the capabilities that power an Uber Eats or or, or or Netflix to bring those things to life. What they look at is the experiences that they're able to get. What they don't realize is that the CSPs in, in between that are that are enabling that 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 true connectivity that's that's the key moment of truth right so you we want to show up in the moments that matter for our clients and the moments that matter are now 100 times a day 
you know, obviously there's there's lots of debate on, you know, the the pluses and minuses, and there's still legislation coming into place. But it, it is incredible how it's transforming everybody's lives. And, and and the interesting thing for me last week that like that really opened my eyes with it is that, that this professor said to us, treat it as an intern, right? Imagine it's another member of your team and it's an intern. So we were doing this exercise and I was doing a typical marketing exercise where I was trying to get it to create an invite for an event for a number of executives in the US. So I had a web plugin that was pulling up all the names and then trying to do like a mail merge into an invite. And it was it was being slow and it, it was struggling with it. I said to the, the professor, I said, yeah, it can't handle this. And she went, well, this is your intern. And I said, okay. She said, tell it to try harder. And I said, really? And so I just typed into the prompt, try harder. And it said, okay. And it thought about it some more. And then it did it. <laughs> so it was almost like you, you, it was almost like you could push it to the limit to get things done. And, and, and it, I, I found it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is incredible. And um, and what specifically do you think it's gonna do for the customer experience? There's an obvious one that jumped straight to my brain, and that's of course chatbots and a more seamless experience. But what else do you think it can do for the customer experience and 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 uh, and then we'll talk about it more specifically for telco? Yeah, I would say, you know, everything from data to content creation to enabling experiences powered by, by by these capabilities. You know, one of the biggest challenges, and as a marketer, you would know this, is you talk of all the buzzwords that have been out there for at least a decade, everything from personalization at scale to, you know, uh, true one-to-one and, 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 and what that actually means. And, you know, our biggest capability gaps or the biggest inhibitors have been capacity and the ability to do those things at scale and, and, and truly... Uh, how much do you train? You know, you think of the old AI ML models, which needed to be trained and needed a, a vast amount of data. With the new LLMs, I think that's where the ability uh, stands is to actually start to deliver and test and, and deliver those things at scale. So, you know, we have so much information what our clients need and we fail, uh, I would say that the industry does in generally, and I don't mean telecom, I mean as um, uh, as, as digital practitioners and marketers, we fail to stitch those things in a way that's meaningful and, and truly responsive at scale. And so for me, that's that's what what opens up. You know, we, we know everything about the life cycle people are in, the experiences they've had, et cetera. How do you think about what that customer wants in that moment of time and respond to it? And I think those are the types of things that we will start to see being, uh, being exposed. And switching gears a, a bit, this is a question that I'd like to ask you, Chris, because what this is a, something I'm interested in. I know Amdocs is interested in. You had a, a lengthy time in financial services at CIBC, I, I believe. What are the differences you see between financial services and telecoms as far as customer experience? Obviously, they're equally important, but where do you see the respective industries in comparison to one another? It's a tough question because as I as I made the switch across industries, I think one of the things that, that really appealed to me was more around the fact that there's so much in common. For me, these are both base essentials for our living. Everyone uses them every day. But in some cases, you actually never want to hear from each either, right? Like you never want to hear from a telecom and you never want to hear from your bank. You just want it to be around when uh, when it happens. I think the, the, the big difference that I see um, purely from an industry perspective is the con- 
continuous evolution and investments needed to keep up, right? Uh, everything from, like you said, from from 1G to 5G and, and how that's played out. You think of, you know, the evolution from copper to fiber and how that's playing out and, you know, uh, the investment in, in, in sort of networks. So it's a very capital intensive business uh, over here where the game just keeps evolving and, and, and changing, I would say, at a, at a much faster clip than it would in um, in the financial services space. But having said that, I would say appeals to the same demographics is dealing with the same, uh, I would say, industry evolution. And uh, as I said right up front, for me, it's um, it's almost base essential to our existence. Uh, but it's 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 ones we don't want to think about. Interesting. Now, how we end our uh, episodes, uh, and if you listen to the to the show, you'll know we have a section called TGI to go, where I'm going to ask you a series of multiple choice questions and you just give me your preference and uh, it just you know gets to know a little bit more about you and it, and it can be a bit of fun as well so are you ready for some tgi to go let's do it all right okay here we go the first tgi to go of the season tgi to go question number one apple or android apple yeah and and what do you make of the Vision Pro? Uh, again, I, I I did try it out. Um, it's again early days, so I, I really liked what I saw. But I'm like I'm not walking around with a with a beast around it around my yeah. head. So you know I will definitely buy it and try it and and, and 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 use it. But I'm looking forward to how it evolves. Okay. Question number two: Tel Aviv or Vancouver? As a mm-hmm. city you would like to spend some time in. I would like to spend some time in Tel Aviv. I've uh, I've been to Vancouver many many times, and it's a beautiful city. But Tel Aviv is a place I haven't, so I'd love to. Okay, excellent. Basketball or cricket? <laughs> that's that's probably the toughest question because uh, I'm a huge NBA fan, but I also play amateur cricket for 20 years now. So at this stage in my life, probably basketball. Yeah. What's your favorite season? Summer or the winter? Uh, yeah. summer summer for me uh, you know I think you, you get to see just just so much is, is out there everything from the greenery to everything natural that this beautiful country has to offer so staying on the subject of the outdoors hiking or biking ah uh, that's a tough one I'd say biking and more because it was a uh, as a kid, I used to bike everywhere. I grew up in India, uh, and, yeah. and 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 you know, just biking everywhere was a big part of me going to see my friends, etc. So it, it it brings back very very different memories for me every time I'm out on a bike. Okay. And on a more sort of vacationary note, Jamaica or Banff? Jamaica. Yeah. Because of the weather, probably. Weather again. I love I love the water. I love the ocean. Uh, yeah. And I love the sea. So. Uh, do you have any other final thoughts you'd like to leave for our listeners before we before we sign off today? Big pressure, but I've just just a huge thank you to you and 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 the team. I know a lot goes into into bringing these things to life. So thank you for for having me. I'd say for our listeners, uh, you know, we live in a great country, uh, indoors or outdoors, uh, and there's just so much to look forward to. So you know, I I like to approach every day and every week with a posture of hope. Uh, and I think there's lots to just look forward to. So just thank you for having me here and for the opportunity to, uh, to share a bit about myself.
So I'd like to welcome to the great indoors today, Mr. Saeed Otufat Shamsi. Welcome, Saeed. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. And also in the hot seat today, joining me for their first inaugural podcast is from Amdocs himself, Mr. Naraj Kanola. Thanks, Matt. Glad to be here in the hot seat. Looking forward to a great discussion. Yeah, great. Saeed, why don't you just give us a quick bio of yourself and your history and the role that you currently perform at TELUS right now? My entire of 25 years of career has always been within uh, a technology. I had uh, experiences working in the startups, product development, as well as enterprises in different sectors. You know, the, the transformations along the, with the last 25 years has been always the key aspects of my of my career. And then that that's basically excites me. So I'm usually looking or basically making myself involved in the activities that has some sort of a transformation involved. Okay, excellent. excellent. Now, and, and digital or digitalization has been a word that's probably been overused in the industry for many, in every industry for many, many years. And we talk about the journey to digital. And, and you mentioned trends there. What's the biggest trend you see right now that is impacting your day-to-day job? So the biggest change actually that's happened up to this point is that in the past, we were talking about doing the digitizations and creating a new processes that is digital first. I don't think that transition is kind of the necess- not necessary. It's kind of is happening because we are already in the stage that everything is digital. It is just that how we can get to the next level. I remember that 20 years ago, I was working for the retail and then we opened up our first uh, e-commerce. Flashback 20 years back at that time, our first e-commerce was exactly as if we had a retail. So back then we had about 45 retail across Canada. And then we said, okay, so this is the online store. And then we labeled them as a store number 46. Basically, our online store was like our brick and mortar. Everything that was in brick and mortar or the process in brick and mortar, we just mimic it for our online. And then 20 years after, everything now is digital. And then even if the company is going back to brick and mortar and have a more touch point with the clients, they are mimicking their their digital world. And that's what we are seeing. So the digitization is already here. It is just to get to the next level. And that what we are seeing that that happened November of last year, that was about 10 years in making, coming up with the, the natural language processing and then a subset of it, which is the LLM, the large language model, because of the advancement of NLM, because of the advancement of digitizations, now we have a good foundations to take us to the next level. Digitization is transforming. So what's the next one from my point of view is going to be from fully automations to get to fully autonomous in the next few years. Now, I really like that analogy. Do you believe that that move from automation to autonomy, that that next level, as you call it, do you think that will increase that percentage of customers that start and complete whatever they have to do in a pure digital environment? Yes, the train has started and is not going to end. But here is the, the issue. With all this advantage of technology and with this uh, Gen AI and LLM that we are seeing, it, still 
the accuracy of data or completing everything is not at 100%. And let me give you an example. So if I use a Gen AI for a financial transaction, if I use a Gen AI for a transaction in telcos, our accuracy is still less than 90%, so it roughly is about 80%. Even on open AI, they are saying everything that has been generated, it is at 80% accuracy. So if you are dealing in the real world, if you are dealing with that type of the transactions between the customers and then the corporations, and then the company is saying that, hey, by the way, these transactions that's been happening digitally is only 80% accurate, no one is going to trust it, no one is going to use it. it but there's going to be a, a, a type that is we are going to see that few companies can survive and can have that holy grail to get to that level that they can increase the accuracy to as close as possible in order to complete that transactions. Once we get there, then definitely we can start the transactions digitally. We can end digitally with very minimal uh, human interventions. We still have ways to go to that. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely right. I think uh, AI is making you know great advances, right, uh, in different areas, and you know really acquiring new skills and capabilities, uh, which was not even thinkable, right, a few years ago. I think where it will deliver in future the most value is more of managing an integrative scenarios or values, right? So AI, for example, can do a do really good job even today in atomic things, right? It can, let's say, uh, help you with the purchase transaction, right? Show you the options and whatnot. Right, it can drive a car and so on. S certain complex interactions we have as a consumer, and telco is one great example, you know, like uh, negotiating a deal end to end, right? For example, you're renegotiating your mortgage. Now, at some day in future, maybe AI will be able to handle that process or most of it, right? AI can still play a role today. It can give you the rates, it can give you how you can save, what you can do, gives and takes, and so on. But taking the whole mortgage process from beginning to the end, uh, at, at this point, is still not there, right? And and many such transactions we do, which are very complex in our lives, which uh, I think will need a few more years for AI to be able to do that. We identified the caution between that 80% success metric right now and then the fine tuning to get that up to 100%, right? There's caution that we have to do in delivering specific AI platforms to, for the specific need. But what other risks do you think AI potentially presents itself, um, Saeed, as far as just from a humanity perspective, from a work perspective? 10 months since that milestone date, November 2022, what other caution would you throw right now at AI as a whole? The security and privacy, that is the top of the mind. We have the technology that can mimic humans. We can generate a whole bunch of the new knowledge or new text that 
it's going to take us sometimes to verify. And not everyone is going to have time or knowledge to how to verify the source of the data. So if I generate a, a context using a Gen AI to broadcast a false statement, then how we can prevent that to happen? And if that is being targeted for a specific groups, a specific race, a specific age, to me, that would be very dangerous. Also, uh, mimicking humans and then pretending then I'm mad and I'm talking on behalf of the mad, I can't use the technology to mimic Matt's voice, mimic Matt's, you know, visual presentations and pretend to be mad and then provide that, that false support. So there's going to be a massive amount of uh, use cases that can go wrong. How you prevent that to happen, how you can protect uh, the systems to be always on the good side. So, you know, in that, we are all humans. So we know that 99% of the people are in the good faith. But then you, we always have these bad actors and the bad actors is always a very small portion of the populations. Now we are giving those bad actors that are very small portion of the populations, a very, very strong tools that they can utilize to reach out, reach out to many peoples across the world and then to do the damages. So preventing those to happen, it is going to be very critical. So we know that it's going to take time for, for policymakers to, to understand the technology and the trends, to understand and find some of those samples. We cannot wait for that time. As a human beings, we know, and as, as people that are in the technology, we should be basically in the forefront of putting those policies. We should define those policies. We should not just handing it over to the government. And we have all the technology in place. Why we always need to centralize these policymakers. Now we have the tools, the blockchain, is giving us the technology that we need for all of us in IT, in non-IT, in the technology and outside to bring those issues and have a meaningful conversations as an individual member of our society to talk about these challenges and not wait for the government to make the policy. We should put the policy by ourselves as a society now in order to prevent in the future. Let's well park AI. We'll probably finish on AI this conversation as well because I don't think it's getting away with it. But let's just turn the clock back. I think it was last week you were in Copenhagen, right, Said, with um, at DTW. That's correct. Actually, Niraj and I we went to Copenhagen last week attending the DTW. That is a TMF forum annual meetings. Uh, that's the digital uh, transformation world. That was a good experience, you know, looking at specifically for that telco industry. So that, that conference is for telco industry. They are entire of the industry. They have very, very similar challenge that everyone is trying to solve those challenges. Two things that came to my mind attending uh, DTW last week was everyone is trying to, to do that transformation. So it is, it is not necessarily the digital transformation because, as I said, we are all digital right now. It is a transforming a telco to become a, a tech company, to become a software company. And Telus has been forefront of that uh, transformation. Most of the telcos are looking for a different, uh, uh, the vertical to, to basically deploy their technology and their connectivity. Uh, at Telus, we branch out to, to health. We are very advanced in completing our platform, our health platforms. 
that connect uh, patients to the uh, health providers, you know, whether it is doctor, whether it is pharmacies, even pets, you know, we have also a platform for vets uh, to connect the pets that we have at home to the, to the necessary providers that we are looking for. So that is the, on the forefront of TELUS Health. And then also on TELUS Agriculture, uh, we've been partnering with so many different companies to bring technology to the industry that hasn't been really evolutionized in the last 100 years, I would say. So there's a lots of opportunity and, and possibility for growth within agriculture and bringing the technology to the agriculture that we can talk about it as well. So with everything that's happening in the, in the climate, the overpopulating of, of the planet that we are living on, as well as the, the more healthy dietary requirements from our, our, our people. So there is a huge amount of the demand to be more productive uh, and to be more efficient in, in terms of our, how we are producing and distributing and consuming the food. So TELUS is, is investing a lot on the, on the agriculture. That's really cool. That's really interesting. And I just thought about this question. Outside of Canada, obviously, which telco around the world do you either look up to or do you think further in the journey of completing that mission to Techco? Is, is there one service provider you look at, Saeed and Niraj, almost in admiration and think, hey, they've, they've got it going on um, as far as what we need to do as well? A good question. Outside of Canada, I would say... T-Mobile is the one that, you know, get, catches my attention. U.S. T-Mobile. T-Mobile U.S., yes. And they are really disruptive in the industry. And the way they are actually growing, right, you know, with coming up with new sorts of value propositions for their client, you know, not just they're not just about, oh, we have a best network or, you know, better connectivity, but the way how they are really trying to provide the best value, simplicity, you know, and uh, for, their, for their customers, that's amazing. And they're very engaged, just like TELUS, on all these platforms, Mobile World Congress, DTW. In fact, they also visited, I believe, the, the Vegas one, uh, MWC Vegas. Again, based on what's happening in the market, so we have incumbents that, you know, there are good examples that Niraj mentioned, but then I'm looking at, uh, startups, the newcomers to, to telcos. First of all, they don't have the baggage that we have. So the incumbents, they are, we are dealing with the footprint of technology that is being spanning the last 20, 30 years, and we still have to clean up lots of the old technology that we have. So the, the startups, they don't have that baggage. They can move very, very fast. They can adopt the technology fast. So I'm, I'm looking at a couple of those ones that are coming very, very aggressive and disrupt the whole industry understand the needs of the of the populations much faster and then to address those needs immediately so in terms of the incumbents you know niraj had one example the other example that can bring it up is the south korean telco they invest a huge amount of the deal on the ai technologies they they invest a lot on the companies called anthropic which which just last week they announced that they sold to amazon for 4.5 billion dollar uh, so you we are seeing yeah there are some telcos that they are investing and then uh, looking at those trends and then some of them have a good exit similar to this one, but also getting ahead of the curve. In Canada, obviously, TELUS is, is looking at the different type of the trend in terms of the technology, in terms of the, the, the change in the, the, the market demands and trying to 
address those changes as, as fast as possible. Where do you think we will be in 12 months, Saeed? What do you think would be uh, a good prediction if we were having this conversation on the same date in 2024? But basically, if we were having this conversation 12 months ago, I don't think I would have talked about Gen AI <laughs> at no, all. Right? And that that's happened actually DTW within 12 months. So the previous DTW, the conversation was nothing to do with the AI. Yes, maybe there are a few sessions here or there versus uh, September of 2023. You cannot talk to someone, you know, five, more than five minutes without mentioning AI. So that is a massive change in terms of what, what we are thinking and the, what direction we are thinking. So if I predict 12 months from now, I guess it's going to be, you know, we are still within this hype on the, my positive side. So I hope that we cross the hype and now we are down to the ground and we are more realistic in terms of what can be done within the technology that we have on hand and, you know, in, and doing it responsibly. So that's my, my on the positive side. Uh, but then realistically, it's going to be, it's still going to be the gap. So let me just give you an example. There was a survey uh, uh, being done by Amdocs that they interview executives and 94, 95% of executives saying that they are thinking or they are planning to do anything with Gen AI. Versus at the same survey, they also have done the same questions to the IT, the senior IT people and then less than five or less than 10% by now, they said that they have done something meaningful with the Gen AI. So we are seeing, or we have seen a big gap in terms of what executive believe that the possibility or we can do it in the short period of time versus what actually has been done. So 12 months from now, I'm hoping that that gap is going to shrink drastically. It's not that, you know, the executive think that, no, we can replace all the human beings with the AI, we can go you know, completely autonomous within the short period of time. I hope that there's going to be more uh, reality check uh, at that level, as well as more advancement, the actual implementation of technology. So I hope that in 12 months, that gap is going to shrink drastically. And then we are having a, a special, you know, the, the very fine-tuned and specialized Gen AI technology and, and solutions that we can apply it in a specific sectors, a specific companies, a specific industries, as opposed to we just talking about the general AI that we have right now. Saeed, Niraj, we're going to finish with our famous TGI to go, which is a quick fire, multiple choice question, just so we can have a bit of fun and learn a little bit more about yourself. So are you ready for this? Sure, let's do it. TGI to go. All right, TGI to go. Here we go. First question to you, Saeed. Whistler or Banff? Whistler. Yeah. Have you been recently? Yes, so Whistler is, you know, first of all, it's a 90 minutes drive from my home. And uh, I love Whistler in the winter and I love it in summer. So I do both mountain biking and skiing. So that's, that's my destination. Same question to you, Naraj. Whistler or Banff? Yeah, I would pick Whistler as well. It's in, uh, you know, it's in British Columbia, one of my favorite places. And I've been there once. I thoroughly enjoyed the experience. Yeah. So I'll, I'll take the devil I know. No, I tell you, when we were preparing for this, Saeed, Larissa said, oh, Saeed lives in Vancouver. What a city. It's the best city in North America. So uh, I think you're very lucky to live uh, 
where you are, particularly to be on the doorstep of Whistler, which is a fantastic place. Exactly. So I, I like the outdoor activities and then that gives me the opportunity to be active you know, year round. So I, I, I love playing soccer and I was chatting with friends of mine in, in East and said, okay, is your season is over? I said, no, our soccer season never over, over in Vancouver. We have the weather that we can play soccer year round. Ah, that leads, uh, that leads me on to my next question perfectly, Said. If you're a soccer fan, and I've been watching the documentary on Netflix, the new David Beckham documentary. Yes, that's, yeah. I don't know if you've seen that yet, but it's really, really yeah, good. Yeah, I've seen my yeah. list. Yeah. So would you rather go and see Real Madrid or Manchester United? The, the answer is Manu, but I don't want to go Manu right now. Uh, you know, after Sir Alex, they couldn't figure it out, you know. With, and you know it it was predicted that you know it is very hard for anyone to to basically backfill sir alex but then i wouldn't imagine that it's going to take that much of a time i think that the owners they are not patient for the team to be building and they are just rushing it uh there is something wrong you know fundamentally but when i grew up sir alex was building their best team and then he had the time he had all the time to build the best team and that's why that and I still you know that I like the Red Devils, but then uh, they're, they're they are dealing with some challenges. I you know on the other hand, I like the way that Arteta is building Arsenal. So I love following this guy, young fellow, very ambitious. And he asked for the time. They gave him the time. So the first few years, he had the time to build the team and just you know is is very very good to to watch the, how Arsenal is playing. And and no offense to the Real Madrid fans. Naraj, same question to you. Yeah, I would go with the same answer. Uh, Manchester United grew up, uh, you know, talking about them, listening to them. Yeah. And used to play soccer at school. I haven't played in quite a few decades, but yeah. that's the team, uh, you know, we all used to root. Yeah. Never knew. Yeah. Never knew you were a Manchester United supporter, Naraj. That's going to change the way we interact from this point on, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, so if you were going to go out for dinner tonight, I'll ask this question to start with to Naraj. Would you rather have Indian food or Chinese food? Yeah, that's a tough one. I like both of them, but I, I think I'll go with Indian for tonight. Nice. Same question to you, Said. Uh, for dinner tonight, I would go with Chinese. And then uh, there are new trends. Obviously, the infused food is everywhere these days. But then, you know, again, bragging about my town, Vancouver has been uh, destinations for international culinary uh, experiences and to, to uh, basically back that up uh, Michelin organization that came in last year interesting enough November of last year nothing to do with Gen AI they announced a list of the restaurants in in Vancouver that is either Michelin star only a handful of them got the star but then there is a long list of restaurants to watch out for that in the future they will get a star so that's part of the recommendation Okay, next question. You had to go on a weekend away, and this is to you, Saeed. Would you go to London or Paris? I would go Paris. Mm -hmm. Again, because of the culinary experience. Yeah. Niraj? Uh, I'd go London this time because I have been to Paris a couple of times. I've been only to London briefly, long back, like two decades ago. So I think next would be London for sure, for me. What do you prefer to watch, baseball or hockey? I would go hockey. When my kids were young, I took them to the baseball game. It is fun to go, uh, but nothing compared to hockey. And what about you, Naraj? 
I would go with hockey as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like baseball as well, but you know, being a cricket fan oh, yeah. as well, as you a, know, there's yeah, always yeah, that yeah. contradictions that come into picture and I'm like, oh, they should have done this yeah. differently. Right? Anyway, so yeah, and hockey, as Said said, fast-paced action on ice, uh, definitely, yeah. you know. Great. Well, listen, I want to th- we've come to the end now. Uh, the time has flown by. I've really enjoyed the conversation, Saeed and Niraj. Thank you very much, Saeed. Just uh, any last points you'd like to just leave with our listeners before we sign off today? Just, you know, my, my only comments would be that, you know, it is our responsibility to be, uh, make it use of technology safe and sound for ourselves, for our employees, for our customers. Well, there we go. Season seven is up and running and what a great start to the season. Thank you very much to Chris and Saeed and the folks at TELUS for joining us for this opening episode. I think it was fantastic. And you know, it's been a long time since I recorded an episode that wasn't at a live show. And you know what? I think I definitely prefer them. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that. Please subscribe to our podcast on all the usual podcast channels. Leave a review or rating if you feel so inclined. It certainly helps us. Also visit our website, amdocs.com forward slash the great indoors. And we'll be back next week as this new season continues.